part two of our interview with Nicole Moffey after reading her book, The Leader's Daughter from the Kingston Polygamy Group. Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? tuning in again as we continue our interview with Nicole Moffey have, uh, after writing her book, The Leader's Daughter, a daughter of Paul Kingston, who is the prophet leader of the Kingston Polygamy Group. Uh, we ended last time with the promise to talk about the Kingston um, private school that got started to help the membership in their um, education endeavors, which when I was <laughs> in the Kingston Group, they, they, they didn't care whether they got an education or not. But anyway, I would like to introduce and welcome back Nicole Moffey. Thank you, Nicole, for joining us again and for uh, opening up and telling your story. It's very important for people to know what's going on inside these groups. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I appreciate it. And, and you did a wonderful job. Um, they can buy your book where? Amazon. Um, it's available in paperback and ebook and mm -hmm. hopefully in audio soon. Audio soon. That would be great. And the, the email where you can contact Nicole is in the back of the book, and it is all called, it's also NicoleMoffey75 at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Okay, Nicole, let's get back to where we were doing our lots to cover. We probably won't get all through it, but we'll give it a good try. Uh, you said that you loved school and, mm -hmm. and that it was your safe place to be. Um, but you talked about the Kingston Private School. Did You said your father put a legal daycare in place. Explain the private school that you, that you went to and that daycare that you talked about. Well, okay. So I went to public school for kindergarten, first grade, and then halfway through second grade, um, Paul decided he was going to do the order school that we all know and love. Um, <laughs> he... <laughs> So it originally started out being, they only had the first couple of grades. I think they only started out having second grade the first year. Mm. And so they, and so what they did is they found somebody with a large enough house to house that many desks. And I mean, it was, they actually turned it into a classroom. It was like a big family room and they put about 15 or 20 desks. Wow. And then I remember there was a kitchen, like an, like a bar off to the, to the side where we would, where they would prepare the meals or dish them out. Not, I don't think they prepared them there, but they would dish them out, and we would eat lunch on our desks. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, they would have a little room off to the side, and then they'd have outside where we would go outside after or during PE. Mm -hmm. And so it it was technically run the way you would run a daycare. Um, we used the Becca book, the Christian Becca book program, mm -hmm. and. Um, I, my teacher, she had originally run a daycare and she ran her school the same way she ran a daycare. And so um, the difference, so then what they would do is they would say, so the way that the food check program works is you, daycares can claim a number of kids and receive a food check for them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm explaining this well. Right. And from yeah. the government. Yes, exactly. Right. And and because day, daycares are um, supplemented for their income. Mm -hmm. And so what they would do is they would claim that they were running a family daycare and they would claim these kids. And so the food lady would come and everybody else, we would have to hide downstairs and we'd have to be really, really quiet. While I think they had about six kids that would go upstairs and they could eat their meal upstairs in the kitchen. 
And we all felt bad, or I felt bad. I'm not going to say for everybody in the class, but I felt bad because I was like, why can't I eat upstairs? Yeah. Like, why am I not one of the cool kids? <laughs> but I found out later that it was because they were claiming those kids to get a food check yeah. and running an illegal daycare. Oh, my word. And that's what they do. <laughs> to get government funding, they will do all kinds of cheating and lying about about what they're doing. And that's what the problem going on with Washakie. Yeah, exactly. You know, just claiming something that isn't true so that they can get money from the government called bleeding the beast. And all the polygamists have been doing that for decades. Yeah. You tell the story of Daniel Kingston's abuse towards his daughter Marianne many, many years ago when he beat her with a belt so so many times that she uh, actually passed out. Mm -hmm. And he was sentenced to 28 weeks in jail for felony child abuse. Mm -hmm. And then later David Kingston, who is the husband that Marianne ran away from, 15th mm -hmm. wife, on her 15th birthday. Um, and, and he served four years in prison for incest and unlawful sexual conduct with a minor. You wrote about this on page 78. Would you read what, what you wrote about this? So, <clears throat> my father completely stopped hitting his kids as far as I'm aware after his brothers went to prison for abuse. Daniel became more careful about which of his wives and children he abused. If he knew he could get away with it, he abused them. If he thought they might be like Marianne, he didn't. Marianne's case was a wake-up call for them. They were no longer invincible and free to hurt anyone they chose. The public didn't like the story they were seeing about polygamy, something they thought didn't exist anymore. And it's too bad that the public isn't <laughs> still up in arms against what these polygamists are doing, or maybe maybe more would be done about it. Mm -hmm. But did the group members see Daniel and David as heroes for serving jail time? Yeah, in fact, we were told to pray for them. I mean, when they were going to trial, we were set, we were taught pray for David and Daniel that their trial will go well and they'll they'll come home and everything will be fine. When they went to prison, we were taught to pray every single night, help David and Daniel get out of prison. Mm -hmm. And then when they finally came home, then for I think I think it was a couple of months, we were told to thank God that they had come home. Mm -hmm. And I think and Daniel came out of prison first, but and then when yeah, David Dan came out, then well, again. Daniel didn't really serve much at no. all. David served four years, I think. Yeah. Um, you wrote that when David was in prison those four years, mm -hmm. his wives were still getting pregnant. Now, yep. <laughs> how did this happen? Were there conjugal <laughs> visits or did their brothers take over? I honestly don't know. There were, the wives kept getting pregnant, so we knew something was happening. <laughs> <laughs> but there were rumors that they were using a turkey baster. There were rumors that they were, that that Jesse was servicing I heard that one. his wives. I heard that one. Yeah. Um, there were rumors that they, that a couple of the wives I heard got in for conjugal visits and then they stopped having that happen after a period of time. Mm. But I honestly don't, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, you don't know. It's well, up for did, speculation. Did, did, did the speculation ever find an answer after he got out of prison? Did anybody ever really know what happened or it probably doesn't matter except for the kids who the kids know who their father is <laughs> women got doesn't pregnant matter. when he was in prison and then when he got out of prison that's all I know. <laughs> now this is something that i've talked about um have having happened to myself and others uh, who come out of polygamy, they grill you to lie about your polygamy, home life, and mm -hmm. who your father is. And you said Paul would hold meetings with the kids mm -hmm. uh, to teach them what to say and if they were questioned um, about mm -hmm. this. To explain the process and, and what that did to you emotionally when you realized he's my dad, but he can't legally call me his daughter and I can't legally call him my father. 
So how did they teach you to lie? Well, so when I found out who my dad was, it was a long, long, long conversation. And he was explaining to me that he had a special marriage. That when him and mama got married, God ordained this marriage and this was like God was at this marriage. It was just so sacred and so special. And so he said it's so special that nobody on the outside can know about it. It's too special. They're not no, good enough. One of those to, deals. Yeah, <laughs> they're not good enough to know about this marriage. They'll it, because it's so special. Satan is going to try to hurt this marriage, and he's going to try to do everything he can to tear this marriage apart. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and so it just so that was the first time. And then when they and I'm not sure. I think it was after. Daniel originally went to prison because I think he went to prison first and that was when they started saying people were actually afraid that the state was going to come in mm -hmm. and start taking children away. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking I wish I was 18 so that I could take my mom's kids when they come and take them away and it, he just put so much fear in, mm -hmm. in our minds and in our hearts that we, I mean the kids just, it it strengthened their yeah, loyalty to yeah, them. Loyalty yeah. to them. Yeah, it, it does that. I they would always threaten us with that. I kept wishing they'd come and take me away. They never did. <laughs> 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 me <start>. too. <laughs> I remember wanting to go into the foster care system. Yeah, that was that uh, was my daydream. Yeah, I even wish somebody'd come and kidnap me, but nobody did that either. Oh. <laughs> You started in the workforce at 11 years old. I, and working. I was old. <laughs> and you were old for, for them, huh? Yeah. You were working in the payroll office of the of the Kingston Polygamy mm -hmm. Group offices. You said you loved the work. Was that because it enabled you to get away from your chaotic home life? Uh, and is it is it normal for kids that young to be working in the offices? And Yes, it's very normal. <laughs> um, yeah, in fact, I started working when I was 11. Um, because my, in fact, my half-sister that I wanted to work with, she had started working at eight years old. And so I felt like an old maid, thinking, oh, I am unemployed. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, yeah, it just, it's very normal. It's it's just but what happens. But you liked it. You liked it. Was it because you, because you liked the work itself or because it helped you get away from your chaotic home life? <clears throat> I think a lot of both. Um, I really did like the work. In fact, even to this day, I still like I did accounting work. I still mm -hmm. like accounting. Yeah. I'm I'm doing a bachelor's degree in business management. Mm -hmm. I like it's something that I probably do get from my dad. I love mm -hmm. business and I love like I just love yeah. the processing. And of I it. did, too. I yeah. think that, that's that's what I did when I got out. Um, I re as, as, as I was reading through your book. Mm -hmm. I was amazed at your courage to fight back. You were feisty. You fought back <laughs> even at a young age. I didn't dare. I, I waited until I was 13 before I started my rebellious activities, and then I really went for it. But but you were feisty and a fighter. Do you think that you would have been able to get out if you hadn't been a fighter? No. I don't. Honestly, I don't know what gave me that fight. I can only imagine every all my family from the die side tell me that it's the die side <laughs> that we just are feisty and opinionated um i think honestly i think i was just exposed to truth before i was you were 
able to and, see things yeah. that other kids your age couldn't see. Exactly. In fact, what, like when I started second grade, none of the kids in my class had ever gone to a public school. They had never seen anything other than that culture. Mm -hmm. And I had been in, that, in, the, in the outside culture, yeah. and I, I loved it. People were so nice. There, it wasn't this game where you had to be better and you had to try to please the leader of the order. It was yeah. about just being happy and treating people with respect. Yeah. Whereas I got into second grade and that's not the culture that I found. And the second grade was in the Kingston mm -hmm. school. Yeah. House. Well, <laughs> well, some people say, and I really believe this, that if you don't, if you're not a fighter, if you're not a rebel, You'll never be able to withstand the pressures when they, if you to leave, that you just wouldn't be able to make. And I believe in part that that's true. Yeah. I want to um, revisit the dumpster diving, yeah. um, which you did Fun on part. page one twenty three. You said that many people in the Kingston group participated in this dumpster diving. We talked about that last time, mm -hmm. and that that you would drive around to different grocery stores after they closed and get into the dumpster and pick out the food that would be using. And that some of the women actually told the store managers that they managers that they had small farms mm -hmm. and that they wanted all of this ugly food to feed their animals when really they were taking it home to feed their families. Mm -hmm. Looking back on that now, and you kind of covered this last time, but maybe a little more emotional, deep or whatever, would you want to feed your family now out of dumpsters? How do you feel about it, looking about it now that you've been out for a while? Considering that I have my own kids yeah, and thinking about what it would take for me to be in that position it makes me very sad that my mom was ever in that position that that was how she took care of her family and I, not just her but so many other families exactly i would never allow myself and i like and i know that people come on hard times absolutely but there are resources to There's help other you. ways to get yeah food. exactly and so i think it would I would feel like a failure as a mother if I was ever in that situation mm -hmm. where my family, that's how we had to survive. And yet they look at it as being very loyal, mm -hmm. faithful members to do that. Are they still doing that in the Kingston group? They're still dumpster diving? It, yeah. In fact, I mentioned my grandmother. She used to get, she signed up with a bakery to get old bread that was mm -hmm. expired and then she would go sell it at church. There's actually somebody else that does that now oh that has, after she passed That's away. Really, oh my goodness. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you ever question why you had to eat garbage? Why the kingdom of God uh, never provided adequate support for the families? Did that I, I never saw anything mind? different. Yes. In fact, we never went to a real grocery store. I never went. To, I mean, I remember I was like 14 or 15 the first time we went to Albertsons. They're not around anymore, but yeah. it shows how old I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I was 14 or 15 when we went to Albertsons and I saw ice cream in the freezer. Like, and it was a nice freezer with a lot of assortment of ice cream. That was not at the order school and, and, or at the order store. In fact, I remember Eastside Market was so small. It was a little corner mm -hmm. market that it I know when I went to the grocery store, I didn't know what an avocado was. Yeah. I didn't know what an artichoke was. I didn't, I just, yeah. All those things that we just had never were subjected to yeah. growing up. Um, by the way, just a note, 1 Timothy 5.8, God says mm -hmm. that they, the man must supply and support his family or he's worse than an unbeliever.
Mm. Now, they claim to be the kingdom of God. They really need to follow what God says. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to your, the plural, your story in the plural marriage. You said you learned about marriage long before you ever had to take the plunge. Right. But the more that you learned about marriage Kingston style, <laughs> the more you realized you did not want to be married. Yes. So would you read from page 124 what you wrote? Mm -hmm. Most of the women who were married did not find sex enjoyable. They had sex with lights out, and their description was tragic. Most of the women were raped on their wedding night. None of them understood what sex was before their wedding night. It was something a husband was supposed to explain to his wife on their wedding night. It was either brutally painful or emotionally dead. Sometimes the guys would have sex with one wife and then go to another wife and have sex with a, without a shower in between. Every time a new wife would come into the family, some would warn her that she should be prepared to have yeast infections often because he didn't clean himself. The more I learned about what marriage in the order actually looked like, the less I wanted anything to do with it. I would say that's a good <laughs> statement. You know, this seems more like the pages of a nightmare than real life in 21st Central America. Uh, did your mother ever confide to you about sexuality and marriage? No. In fact, I, my mother never even talked to me about my period. Did you, did your, any of your sister wives ever talk to you about these things? Nope. We were supposed to learn about it from our husband on our wedding night. And the only reason, so I went, I graduated at 14 and I went to the office and I worked in the payroll office with a bunch of married women. I was the only one who was not married. You probably learned a lot just from listening to them talk. I did. <laughs> and uh, polygamous women don't work. <laughs> they talk a lot. They talk. <laughs> no, they do work. I'm totally teaching. I'm sure they, they totally do, work. do work. I'm sure but they work. they talk a lot. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, and then your father, I guess he had quit taking plural wives for a while, and then he started taking plural wives again on, mm -hmm. on page 144. Um, I'll quote on this one. He said, or you wrote, after many years of not taking more wives, my dad finally married one of David's 18-year-old daughters. She was only two years older than me, and my dad was 44 years old. If I had any respect for my dad before that point, it was gone. He was taking away any chance she had for happiness. To make matters worse, Paul married the young girl's sister as well shortly after, and she was only a year older than me. I was disgusted as I watched them dance together. She looked like a little girl standing next to the disgusting old man who had taken her innocence. There was nothing righteous about Paul in my mind from that point forward. He was a dirty old pedophile. Now that's that, that's kind of says it all, really. Um, uh, not only were they your age, they were your brothers, his brothers' daughters. Mm -hmm. So they were his nieces, and of course your cousins. Yeah. Uh, that's genetic suicide. How do they justify this, or do they even try? The young, the young age, the age differences, and the incest. Um, currently, they actually do genetic testing where if they're gonna have somebody marry somebody they're related to, then they'll actually get them genetically tested. And like people will get engaged, they'll get a genetic test and be like, oh wait, no, you guys are gonna have mm. babies with kidney problems or whatever, so you can't get married. Mm. Back in my day, we didn't have that. Everybody just married whoever mm -hmm. Paul mm -hmm. said. <laughs> uh, brothers and sisters, half brothers and sisters mm -hmm. were getting married. To, and it's now second and third generational. Yeah. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of kids that come with Down syndrome. There's mm -hmm. a lot of kids that have a lot of those problems. Mm -hmm. And I think they look weird, but that's just... <laughs> well, and, and the, 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 it's like you said on page 129, no one protected the victims. Mm -hmm. and, and they are victims of this crazy thinking that, that they have come up with, obviously. But the very fact that no one 
protected the victims. I, your book that you've written in here, you've, you've told the story of many, many victims. Naturally, you were. Mm -hmm. um, but there were others that yeah. were victimized. I mean, your mother was a victim and, and so many others. But there's no protection for them. Mm -hmm. They're just berated because they don't like being victimized. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, tr I tried to make a little, it a little bit positive, but there were a lot of, and that's one reason, in fact, a lot of people have told me um, any of the criticism I've gotten, then they've said, well, that's not really your story to tell. And I come back and I say, you know, I don't go into a lot of their details. I don't, I'm, my purpose isn't to try to tell you their story. You even used aliases, so yeah, exactly. there's not a difficulty with that. But a lot of it is those victims watching that happen affected me on a very deep level. I mean, and that's... That is your story. I mean, yeah, and it taught me, I mean, it taught me that this is what happens. This is life. You are a victim. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was important to to have those other stories in my story because that was a lot of what shaped who I am. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of why I decided that I wasn't going to put up with that anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, it would be my children that I would be writing right. about if right. I stayed. Right, so. exactly. And I'm glad to hear you say that. There's too many mothers that, that are willing to let their children grow up the same way they had to grow up in that mm -hmm. painful, victimized society. But there's those women who say, no, not my child. Yeah, and not my, nope. <laughs> good deal. Not my child. All right, we have absolute subjection, um, and then as uh, the, the females have to go through, and you talk a lot about that in your book, but I want to go to page 159, where you discovered something about your father you hadn't known before. One day, my dad asked my sister and I to go to his car for a book of some sort. When we went through his gym bag that fit the description of where the book was located, we found three porn magazines. This solidified my father's depravities in my mind, and I would not trust him to be the mouth of God. At least we now knew why my dad favored the wives he did. All the girls in the magazines were blonde. Apparently my dad had a thing for blonde hair and large breasts. I was disgusted to know that all of his wives were desperate for his love of any kind, and here he was looking at porn stars. How old were you? Oh my goodness, I was 12. And I remember, yeah. But, 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 I, but you were mature for your age, at least in some of the things that you understood. Um, that the question that first question that comes to my mind is how many wives does he have and he still needs porn magazines? Right. You know, <laughs> many, when is enough enough? Yeah, it's it's disgusting. But what, if, if he's God's mouthpiece, mm -hmm. if he's the prophet, what did that do in your mind? I mean, you know, you've already got him labeled as a pedophile, and now mm -hmm. you've seen him doing all of this, a manipulator, he's depraved, he plays favorites. Uh, not very godly for a leader for the kingdom of God, is it? No. Did you come to that conclusion, that it wasn't the kingdom of God, or did you doubt? I, I mean, I had already had, after he married an 18-year-old girl, I, that, any credibility was shattered. The, when I found the porn magazines, it was kind of just, honestly, I looked at it more to kind of understand who he was as a person. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe it's not fair to say that that's how I labeled him, but after that point, then that's how I labeled him. He, that's, well, he was a pedophile. Like, sure. I mean, and these... Actions do determine Yeah, that. exactly. So I was just, I, I mean, I had already lost cre credibility when he had married when he married my cousin. Yeah. She was my cousin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they were so <laughs> young and he was uh, so old.
Okay, so at one point, you actually threatened your father <laughs> to tell the government, tell, <clears throat> reveal to the government <clears throat> some of his illegal activities <laughs> and yeah. what he was involved. What kind of activities would those <clears throat> be, and what was his reaction when you threatened him with that? Um, I, so he told me that I couldn't buy a car with my money, and I needed a car because at that point I was... I wasn't, I couldn't admit to myself that I was ready to leave. I wasn't at that point. But I was at the point where I knew that I needed to move forward in this direction. And that was, like, it was kind of a let's take it one day. <clears throat> it was the survivor's mindset. It mm -hmm. was that we're going to take mm -hmm. it one day at a gotcha. time and we're going to get there. And I knew that I had to get from point A to point B. And so I needed that car. I needed to do whatever it took to get that car or... I was not going to, I was not going to get out. And I didn't quite understand what that meant at the time, but I was not going to be able to get out. And so I went ahead and um, when he told me no, then I told him that I would, we would let the FBI know that he was wanted for tax fraud, incest, um, underage marriages. I. A few other, yeah. <laughs> other choice things. So. Yeah. Huh? Well, again, I, I have to admire your spunk <laughs> and, and uh, that you actually was feisty enough to fight back. Yeah, yeah, just, I, couldn't, <clears throat> I couldn't do that. I did with my mother to some degree, but I never would have been able to do that with my father like you did yeah. with Paul, so <laughs> it's a good deal. You know, there's a lot more to read in this book. We don't want to tell you all of it. We want you to buy the book and read it and find out for yourself the rest of Nicole's story. Um, however, it does have a happy ending because you got out. You are now married to a wonderful man. And how many children do you have? I have four. Four children. Yeah, and they're all... I missed one somewhere. <laughs> I didn't know the, the fourth one. Um, I talk about her at the very, very, very end. Uh -huh. um, she, I was pregnant with her the same time that my 19-year-old my brother passed away. He was mm -hmm. in a motorcycle crash. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it, was really, it was really difficult for me. But I think that having my daughter, carrying my daughter, kind of gave me more of a purpose. It kind of let me say you know, this is something from my past life and I'm so thankful that my daughter is coming into the world and I, I look forward to a brighter future mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. the death and disparity that is the order. <laughs> well, we want, uh, we want those who see the show, see the interview to uh, encourage others to read your book. Mm -hmm. And it's important for the outside world to know what goes on behind the closed doors of mm -hmm. these polygamy groups and the Kingston group that finally some light is being shine, shown into the homes and the lifestyle. Yeah. It is not a pretty sight at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks, Nicole. Thank you very much for sharing with us and for coming. And maybe we'll do this again. Who knows? There's a lot more to talk about, certainly. Yeah. And be sure and go to Amazon.com. You can buy our book in uh, paperback or on Kindle. And she said it might be available in audio soon, which would be very good. Uh, it's called The Leader's Daughter, written by Nicole Moffey. You know, marriage is the central point of every Mormon polygamy group, and after that, money. But actually, money is probably the central point, but they use marriage as a means of bondage to produce slave labor in order to acquire all that money. They call it the United Order, claiming that God commanded it, but as with every other perverse doctrine that they claim God commanded, God did not command it. God is good, and God does not command evil, or polygamy, or child abuse, or female degradation, or lying for the Lord, or forced poverty. 
Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. Jesus is the way to true freedom. He sets us free from men's religious commandments. Jesus is the way to eternal peace, eternal hope, eternal life, and of course, truth, because Jesus is the truth and polygamy is a lie. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.